You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Well, good morning. Wonderful to be here with you. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Josh. The privilege of uh, being one of the pastors here. So good to see you. As uh, Fee has shared, we are in a series on prayer. Uh, Really, everything we're doing through the month of January is bent towards building in our community a culture of prayer. And um, it's just been incredible. I don't know if you felt this, but there's this like... I know I can sense a hunger in my soul for the things of God and amongst our church. And Wednesday night, if you were there, um, just full of people worshipping and praying and hungry and thirsting after the Lord. And I uh, was so excited for what God's doing. And actually, I think there is so much more to come. Let me start by asking you a question this morning. Have you ever wondered what kind of prayers cause God to move? Have you ever wondered what kind of prayers cause God to move. Like, how can we pray in such a way that heaven shakes and earth is transformed? How can we pray in such a way that miracles happen and bodies and minds are healed? How can we pray so that God's kingdom comes and his will is done? How can we pray so that things change, that justice is done, that poverty is eradicated, that freedom is won, that our city comes to life and is transformed. Don't you long to pray in such a way that things happen? There are more social justice organizations in existence today than just about any time in human history, and yet right now our world seems more of a mess than ever. We are more technologically advanced than at any time in human history, and yet we are more disconnected Fragmented, we are more relationally broken than ever before. We have more freedom and options and choices now than ever, and yet more people are enslaved to addictions than ever before. On the surface, by many metrics, our country looks like we're at the zenith of the human experience, and yet under the waters, feels like we're completely lost. I don't know if you get that sense as well. So how can we pray amid all the problems of our world, all the sickness and mental health issues and suicide rates and relational breakdown and addictions and debt and human trafficking and global financial inequality, fill in the blank. How can we pray and bring the kingdom of God? How can we pray? What kind of prayers move God? This is what I want to talk about today. Is there anything in the teaching of Jesus of Nazareth that gives us some clues as to how to pray in such a way that we storm the heavens and shake the earth. Yes, there is. Today, I want to talk about praying audaciously. Praying audaciously. What if God was waiting for our audacious prayers before doing something in our city? What if God was poised to release revival where we stand, but is waiting for our partnership in prayer? What if everything that we've longed to see in as, as a church and be part of in terms of the kingdom of God coming is just a matter of praying and is just a prayer away? I want us to take seriously, as we've been exploring over the last few weeks, the life-changing principle that as we pray, 
And as we pray audaciously, it changes our reality. Today's message is called Audacious Prayers. If you've got a Bible, when you open it to Luke chapter 11, last week, the sermon was called Teach Us to Pray, and we were in Matthew chapter 6, looking at how Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray. You may notice this is a similar passage. Let me read from verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And so Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Let me pause for just a moment. Here we see Jesus teaching his disciples about prayer. One of his disciples comes up to him and says, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? Jesus has just finished a a prayer meeting on his own, and his disciples say, one of them says, Jesus, teach us to pray. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but it's worth reminding ourselves that only once in the entire Gospels that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them something. They've watched his life. They've spent years with Jesus. They've seen him walk on water and raise the dead and heal the sick and cast out demons. They've watched him do miracles and have incredible preaching and revelation and understanding of the kingdom of God and bring the kingdom in remarkable ways. But they didn't ask him to teach them any of that. The one thing that they, that they asked Jesus to teach them to do was Jesus teach us to pray. They said, enroll us almost in the school of prayer. The disciples knew that in order to live the Jesus kind of life with the Jesus kind of power and do the Jesus kind of stuff, we need the Jesus kind of prayer. We need to live and pray like Jesus. Teach us to pray. And so Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray and he, and he, and he tells them this is a prayer that you can pray. This is a model for prayer. And then he jumps in verse five straight into a story, a parable. And in this story, he is still teaching them how to pray. He's teaching them some incredible, fascinating principles on how prayer works. And I want to focus on this story today. Let's read from verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend. You go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door is already locked and my children and I are in bed, I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, verse 8, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. This story is just as much part of Jesus' teaching on prayer as the prayer itself. Jesus says this, let me teach you about prayer. Imagine you're at home, you're in bed one night and there's a knock at your door, it's late. 
It's an old friend who has been traveling. He's unexpectedly turned up at your door. You welcome him in. In the culture at the time, hospitality was huge. It was of vital importance. So you beckon him in, and you love him, and you want to um, give him some food. You want to look after him. You want to take care of him. You want to feed him. He's hungry. He's been on a long journey, but you realize in that moment, to your horror, you don't have anything. You don't have any food or bread. You have nothing to offer your friend. In other words, you are in desperate need. You need help. Then you remember you've got another friend who you know you can help. It's late. It's actually midnight in the story, but you think you'll go anyway. So you knock on your other friend's door and you ask for some bread. This is a picture of prayer. Your other friend represents God. So you go to your friend, you go to God and you ask. And before you know it, before you can almost get all the words out, a voice comes from the other side of the door from God and says, hey, leave me alone. It's midnight. Go home. My kids are in bed with me. I'm not waking them up. It's way too late. Go away. This is Jesus teaching us about prayer. Then he says this fascinating line, which I think changes everything. He says this, your friend will give you the bread but not because he's your friend, but because of your shameless audacity. In other words, your persistence, your impudence, your boldness. There's something about praying like this man that Jesus is teaching us that moves God. Let me draw three reflections from the passage, which I believe will help us see remarkable things in prayer. Firstly, we've got to recognize and remember that I don't have any bread. You don't have any bread. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've run out of bread. We are all out of bread. The first spiritual principle that Jesus is teaching us about prayer in this story is that without prayer, we have nothing. We don't have any bread. Jesus says, let me teach you about prayer. Someone comes to you unexpectedly in the middle of the night and needs help, needs food. You've got nothing that you can do. Humanly, you are all out of bread. You have nothing which will satisfy the desires and the needs of your traveling friend. Your cupboards are empty. You've got nothing in. You don't have any bread. When you get a midnight knock at your door, recognize that you can't solve the problem on your own. You are not the solution. You don't have any bread. I wonder if the reason, church, that we don't pray like we should, like we know we should, it's really because we think we can change the world and make a difference without prayer. Like we think we have the solutions. Like our busy efforts and our ideas and our strategy will change the world. We really don't need God that much. Prayer is almost irrelevant. Jesus is saying in a really gentle way, if you want to be used by God mightily in your time, if you want to see the fruit of the prayer he just taught you, which is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, you've got to recognize that you don't have any bread. But I do. Jesus says, come and get some from me. I believe the kind of prayers that move God are prayers that come from a place of desperation. Prayers that come from a place of emptiness. Prayers that we pray when we come to the end of ourselves, when we acknowledge, God, I'm empty. God, I can't do this on my own. God, I've got nothing to offer. I don't have any bread. I need Jesus. 
Church, there is a world around us that is desperately hungry, that is longing and craving and thirsting for heaven, longing for Jesus, even if they may not realize it just yet, trying to find soul satisfaction, trying to find bread, the bread of life, searching in every corner, pursuing freedom, needing healing, needing deliverance and justice and wholeness. Our world is searching for more. Here is what they don't need. Better church strategy. Cooler church marketing. Tighter, better worship teams. Slicker Sundays. Charisma on stage. All of which is good stuff. But what they do need is Jesus. They need him. Leonard Ravenhill, the revivalist, said he wondered if churches today know more about promotions than about prayer. More about competition than consecration. More about Instagram than intercession. He didn't say that. I think he died in 1995. I'll put that one in. More about TikTok than tears. That was the best I got. I ran out there. Our job in prayer is to approach the one who has bread and get that bread for the world. I love that picture of what prayer is. Prayer is about stepping into heaven and bringing a bit of heaven back to earth, storming the throne of grace and getting mercy for our world. This is living out and embodying the Jesus prayer, your kingdom come. If we really long to see that, if we really long to see his kingdom expressed here on earth in hell as it is in heaven, if we want to pray in such a way that that happens, we have to begin by acknowledging that we are not the answer. I don't have any bread. Because when we get to that place of desperation, then we go to the one that does have bread, who does have resources, who does have power to heal, who does have power to set the captives free. There is only one that can satisfy our souls. There is only one that can bring real transformation. There's only one that can set the captives free and heal the sick and deliver the demonized. There's only one church who can forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's only one that can save our city. His name is Jesus. We cannot solve the problem through human effort. We need divine power. That is where we start. Now, I'm a big believer in compassion and doing stuff for the city. I'm a big believer in strategy. I'm a big believer in wisdom, of course, all of that. But I think we have to start from a place of dependence on the Lord. When we start doing church out of our own strength, I think we miss the power. We can't solve the problems in our world through human effort. We need his divine power. We need a move of God. We need to pray. My second reflection after the first one, which is we don't have any bread. Second reflection on prayer. Jesus teaching us principles about how prayer works is this. Resistance is real. Is anyone else shocked by how God responds in the story? I was. I go to God's door and I knock and say, I've run out of bread, I need, I need help. And here's what God says in Jesus' story about prayer. Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. This is part of Jesus' teaching on prayer. I wonder if his disciples were like, well, that's depressing. Are you telling me that he's not going to answer my prayers? No. Jesus is saying this. Sometimes as we pray, we will experience divine delay. Sometimes God isn't going to give us exactly what we want as soon as we ask. Resistance is real. Have you ever been there? 
I think every one of us have. Don't you think it's encouraging that Jesus sets out that expectation right as he's teaching about prayer? He explains there'll be seasons where it feels like in our prayer life there is resistance, when it feels like God is not moving, when it feels like there's a closed door, where it feels like, God, when will breakthrough come? When will the door be opened? When will you come and move and do all that you've promised? Here we are, standing in the gap in our prayer room for our city, for our family, for a specific situation, for our health. God, we need you. We recognize we don't have anything. And you're the other side of the door saying, not just yet. Keep going. Keep knocking. Jesus is teaching us the hard lesson that God doesn't always move according to our timetable. In fact, sometimes God feels slow. So everyone thought, God, why don't you just speed up? <laughs> Jesus is teaching us from the off to expect this and to keep going. There is purpose in the pause. There is purpose in the pause. Sometimes praying is about walking through open doors. Sometimes praying is about opening closed doors. And sometimes praying is about realizing it's the wrong door. Whenever God says no to something or wait for something, I believe it's because he is doing something in you that is maybe more important than what you're praying for. He's teaching us something. He's doing something in our character. He's building something in us, preparing us for something, calling something out of us, dealing with something behind the scenes to make us the kind of people that he wants us to be. Pastor of Vineyard Church in uh, Northern Ireland, Andy Smith puts it like this. He says, you are the project. It's not that God withholds things from us. Instead, he's giving something to us. In life, as we pray, we come against some closed doors. But Jesus teaches us here that the closed door is not always a permanently closed door. Jesus says, expect resistance as you pray. Why? Because God is not a slot machine. He's a father. He's a dad who, who wants intimacy and nearness and closeness with us. It's not like he's Father Christmas. All right, Melissa, post it through his letterbox. Stay distanced. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Bruce Almighty. Have you seen Bruce Almighty? He becomes God and he goes, right, say yes to every prayer in the world on the spot. And they have about 100,000 people win the lottery. They get like four quid or something. He deeply desires to bless us, but his greater concern is crafting us into the people we were destined to become. Sometimes he wants to teach us patience or trust or surrender or faith or providence or relinquishment. In this story, he's teaching us persistence, audacity. There'll be times when we knock on the door and the door opens straight away. There'll be times where we don't even have to knock, the door just is open. But there are times, Jesus is saying, when there is resistance in our prayers and he's inviting us, calling us to keep going. I read a commentary this week on the passage and this is what it said. The whole context of the story indicates that the man is eager to give, but if we do not want what we are asking for enough to be persistent, we don't want it very much. It's not such tepid prayers that are answered. I love that line. It's not such tepid prayers that are answered. So what kind of prayers do get answered? Here's the big picture lesson of the story. Here's my number one takeaway. I love takeaway. Here's my number one takeaway from this. 
Audacity moves God. Audacity moves God. Tepid prayers don't move God. What kind of prayers are we praying? I love it when Jesus says this in verse 8. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because you're friends, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Another word for audacity in this text is uh, persistence. Jesus says sometimes it's not even because of your relationship with God that will cause him to move. It's your shameless audacity. You turn up at midnight. You get him out of bed, as it were, waking the kids up. The man in the story had shameless audacity. Do we pray prayers that cause Jesus to go, wow. You know, it says twice in the New Testament in the Gospels that Jesus got astonished. I think I've said this before. One of them was um, with the faith of the centurion. The centurion had remarkable, audacious trust that Jesus could heal with a word. I wonder if Jesus still gets astonished today. Do you ever think that? He's, right, he's, he's, he's risen alive at the right hand of the Father. I wonder if he still gets astonished. I wonder if we could pray prayers, if we could approach the throne of God with such a boldness and audacity that Jesus would go, that whole vineyard. Wow. Audacity moves God. Jesus says, pray audaciously. Pray persistently, pray relentlessly, don't quit. Don't give up. If there's a closed door, keep going. Don't be discouraged, church. Some of you will be facing situations you've been praying for and crying out for for many years. Let me encourage you to keep going. Keep praying. Audacity moves God. Desperation moves God. Hunger moves God. Do we persist at the most inconvenient times? The man in the story could have said, okay, I've asked once for bread. The man said, no, so I'll I'll go home and rustle him up a quiche. But he didn't. He said, I'm not stopping. I need the bread. I need the food for my friend. Audacity moves God. I've been reading. um, Someone gave me a book this week on the... uh, the Lewis Harris revivals in the 50s of how God swept through those Scottish islands and there was revival and whole communities were burning with a hunger for the Lord and it's remarkable stories. I wanted to read you a story this morning of some audacious prayers, if that's okay, and the power of audacious prayers. The setting of this is there's a move of God and there's about to be a move of God and they're in a prayer meeting and they're praying for God to come. He says this, there was about 30 of us and prayer began. I found it a very hard meeting. I found myself battling and getting nowhere as the hours passed. After midnight between 12 and 1 o'clock in the morning, I read that and thought, well, that's a late prayer meeting. I'd be asleep. This is Duncan Campbell speaking. God used mightily. He said, I turned to a young man in the meeting and said, I feel led of God to ask you to pray. And that dear young man rose to his feet and he prayed. And in his prayer, he uttered words such as I had never heard in a prayer before. He said, Lord, you made a promise. Are you going to fulfill it? We believe that you are a covenant-keeping God. Will you be true to your covenant? You said that you would pour out water on the thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I do not know how others stand in your presence, Lord. I do not know how the ministers stand. But if I know my own heart, I know where I stand. And I tell you now that I am thirsty. 
Oh, I am thirsty for a manifestation of the man of your right hand, that's Jesus. And then he said this, Lord, before I sit down, I want to tell you that your honor is at stake. Would you move? Duncan Campbell says, have you ever prayed like that? Here is a man praying the prayer of faith. Audacity. I love to believe that angels and archangels were looking over the battlements of glory, saying to one another, this is a man who believes God. There is a man who dares to stand solid on the promise of God and take from the throne what the throne has promised. Believe it or not, or disbelieve it, you can verify this if you like. The house shook like a leaf. The dishes rattled on the sideboard, and an elder standing beside me said, Mr. Campbell, an earth tremor. I said, yes. I pronounced the benediction immediately and walked out to find the community alive with an awareness of God. It was a move of God that swept those islands. I believe God is calling us to pray audaciously. It doesn't mean we stop doing all that we're doing. No, everything we do must increase in terms of loving and serving and reaching our city. But if we're not praying, then we miss the power. Let's pray big prayers, prayers that will change everything. If God said yes to all our prayers, would our city be transformed or just my life? Prayers that rend the heavens and shake the earth, prayers that beckon revival and start with repentance, prayers that raise our expectation in the kingdom coming. Let's pray audaciously, church, with great persistence. I want to have to put in my budget for next year a new carpet in the prayer room. Because we've worn it out. There's tear stains on the floor. I want to say to the trustees, guys, we're going to need another carpet. Paul and they're like, another one? I'm like, yeah, sorry. Carpet cleaning. E.M. Bounds said this, our praying needs to be pressed and pursued with an energy that never tires, a persistency which will not be denied, and a courage which never fails. We finish with this, God is looking for a generation who burn for prayer, who storm the heavens and pray and pray and pray and keep going, who intercede when it costs and when it seems like the door is closed until his kingdom comes. There is so much more that God wants us to see, church. Let us be people who pray audaciously. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hall Vineyard podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church. Go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.